0: Well, hey, everybody. It's great to see you all tonight. Hi. Um, Hi. Whoever that was. <laughs> um, it's great to see you all tonight. I hope you all, are, uh, I hope you all had a good first day. Uh, who, all, who didn't have classes today? A couple of you just didn't even have class. All right. Some of you don't count. Uh, but the rest of you all had at least one. Is so anybody is going to have a lab next Wednesday that is like, eh, that was a jail out of free card. <laughs> today. Well, it's it's great to see you all today. I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time to RUF, um, especially welcome to you. Um, We're a Christian ministry that tries to make a big campus feel smaller by having fun, like going on hikes and doing movies. But also we want to ask questions about uh, Christianity in particular, but faith in general and how faith and spirituality affect um, our lives and possibly, if it's real, the life to come. Um, So We would, uh, you know, bring. if you have questions about that, bring those questions in here. We want to be a place where we can have um, serious dialogue academically and personally about those sorts of things. Um, So anyways, it's good to see you. Welcome back. All that. A couple of quick things that we forgot to say. Um, First, um, normally we meet on Tuesday nights. We're meeting on Wednesday nights. because it's the first day of the semester. But for those of you who are old, we will meet on Tuesday nights. For those of you who are new, we will meet on Tuesday nights, Um, just like normal. Um, Second thing is small groups are not starting this week. We'll start next week. And I really encourage you to find a small group. We try to throw a lot of options at you so that you can You know, look at the different options and find one that can fit with your schedule. If they can't, come talk to me and say, hey, none of these work, but I really want to do a small group and I've got two other people. I guarantee we're happy to make another one um, and we'll work with your schedule and we'll do that. Um, So anyways, it's good to see you. Um, And the last thing is, don't let me forget to take a selfie when I'm done talking. (laughs) Do not let me forget. Don't let me forget Riley. Don't let me forget Tatiana. (laughs) Don't let me forget. I banged my head earlier today and I've been a little forgetful. Um, So, all right. So, uh, this semester we are... Oh, one other thing I'm going to mention. We're going to start a thing after large... After when I talk, after large group, um, where we just do like... Three to five minutes of question and answer. So if you have a question about what I just talked about or about what the Bible is saying, shoot me a text. My phone number is right there and um, we'll try to answer it. I'm not going to be able to give you everything that you could possibly want and I may not be able to get to all of the questions tonight, but I will respond tomorrow via text and if you want, we can dialogue. Um, This is just, again, in an effort to be a place where we can, in dialogue, and have questions about faith and spirituality. So, um, as I'm talking, and if you have thoughts, shoot me a text. Um, And I'll keep them anonymous. Like, if I have your phone number, I'm going to know who it is. Unless there's some special way, I think you can, like, I don't know, make it anonymous. Um, But I won't tell everybody that, you know, what you say if you don't want me to. So, um, last thing, um, you can see from here and on your bulletins, this semester we're doing our study on large group on relationships. Um, kind of all-encompassing bre- umbrella terms. Some people are here like, "How are you going to talk about dating for 15 weeks?" We're not. We're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about all relationships, kind of the whole spectrum of friends, enemies, Christians, non-Christians, parents, dating, sex, all of it, um, and ask the question of what does the Christian faith have to say? What does the Bible have to say in in the in the in that context? Um, So why are we doing that? Why are we doing this study on relationships? And I'll say this, uh, last semester I so I meet with a lot of students. Last semester I met with a student over a cup of coffee and we'll say this person's name was Sam. It wasn't but there's no Sams in RUF. Um, (laughs) So they're sort of involved in RUF but sorta not. Uh, They would consider themselves a Christian and as we were talking and catching up uh, I asked how their semester was going and Sam said something really profound. She said, You know, when I came to college, I expected the hard part to be the classes. But by far the hardest part has been my relationships in and around college. If it was only the classes, this would be easy. And I was like, Wow, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I, how many of y'all feel that way? Where you're like, the hard part of school is the relationships. Like, yeah, y'all take hard classes like anatomy and calc two and dynamics and OCHEM, microeconomics. Those are tough subjects. But if I were to bet, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying, those aren't the things that keep you up at night. Now, they do keep you up at night. But, like, really, truly keep you up at night. Um, the things that keep you up at night are your relationships, right? Uh, your relationships with your parents, with your friends. What causes more tears, a fight with your parents over the phone where you slam the phone down or hit the hang-up and then just be done, or getting a C on an exam? Where do you feel a greater sense of belonging in your life? When you get an A on a test or when you have that great friend that you can play Call of Duty with or talk with until 2 a.m.? Relationships. Relationships. Right? When I was in college, I worked really hard in school. I went to a a school in New York City, and so there was a ton of pressure in academics. And so I thought, my goal here is to get a degree. I'm going to come out and be the best college student I can possibly be. And I'll be honest, I worked really hard, and I got a really good education. And as I look back on my degree 10 years later, I really don't remember much about classes. (laughs) I remember like one or two classes that were really influential and maybe one or two lectures but by far you know what I do remember from college a devastating breakup and four guys that kept me alive through that breakup by hanging out with me every week that were my best friends and then were in my wedding and I talk with every month those are the things that low and that high that I remember from college so much more powerfully those two things you know those were so formative in me and so relationships are unavoidable and crucial in college and nothing will hurt you more and nothing will empower you and propel you into life than relationships relationships with your friends with your parents with your enemies with christians with the church with non-christians with your dating partner, all of these things, those are the things that you're going to remember in college. And you know that's true even now. <laughs> so we're going to look this semester at what the Bible has to say about relationships, all of them, from parents to Christians, friends to non-Christians, enemies, dating, sex, kind of all of the things. And um, one of the things that I want us to do is ask hard questions about does the Bible actually have any, give it us any, any traction on how do we can do relationships today? So uh, even maybe now you've had some questions, shoot me a question and, um, you know, we'll dig in. So uh, if we're going to look at relationships, especially from the Christian perspective and what the Bible has to say about them, uh, we have to start with the Christian God. We have to start with kind of the, the, the person who's at the center of all of this, which is the Christian God and that God is the center and source of all our relationships because God himself is a relational God in the Trinity, in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And and we'll get into that in a second. And that from a biblical perspective, human relationships, all of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly, are based on and dependent on God and God's relationship within himself. And so if we want to thrive in our relationships, we have to study and tap into God's relationship within himself and his relationship with us. So that's where we're going to start. If we want to solve our relationship drama, and that's one of the things I called this is hope in the drama. If we want to solve our drama, we have to start with looking at God. And so the big idea that we have tonight is that God in himself equips us for relationship. God equips us for relationships. He equips us to thrive in our relationship. And that's why this is Good news. So if you have your Bible or your bulletin, look at the uh, the text that's printed in there, and I'm going to read it. This is God's Word from John 17. This is Jesus praying. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that we may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. So that the world may know... Sorry, I'm telling you all, I hit my head hard. The glory that you have given them, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they may also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may, 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 love me may be in them, and I in them. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? <laughs> Father, thank you that we can be here tonight, that we can gather together and sing and hear your Word and practice it in our minds and in our hearts. We pray, Lord, now that as we think, And listen that your spirit would be with us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so main idea from this is that God equips us in our relationships. And he does that in three ways. Three ways that I want us to see tonight. Three ways that God equips us in our relationships is in his word, in his image, and in himself. His word and in his image and in himself. And this is good news because it means that we don't have to figure out relationships on our own. That God has come down and given us himself... To deal with our relationships. So let's dig into that first one, how God equips us with his word. How many of y'all grew up playing le- with Legos? Yes. Yeah, all of y'all. <laughs> yes. So uh, maybe you still do play with Legos. Yeah, they're the greatest. So I remember when I was six years old, I got this really awesome Lego helicopter and it was this rescuer set. Any of you guys remember the rescuers line? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, those OGs out there. And so I was amped. There was this awesome rescue helicopter And I opened it up, and I started opening all the packages of the Legos, and I started seeing all the pieces, and I was like, oh, this is going to be the coolest helicopter. Here's the cockpit, and here's the main rotor, and here's the winch, and this is just going to be so sweet. And I started to see how all the pieces were going to fit together, and it was going to be so cool. So I was like, I'm going to build this thing. And so I looked in the box for the instruction manual, and it wasn't there. And I was devastated. I was like, no, I have all these pieces and I want to build it. I I know how this is supposed to go together, but I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do. And so I was just so upset in my mind. I had no idea how to build it because I didn't have the instruction. And so here I am with all the pieces that I need, but I don't know what to do with them. And I feel like that's often what we feel like when we're in relationships especially in college, we're like, man, all the pieces are here for some amazing relationships. Like, I live together with people. I eat with people. Everybody here is in the same schedule that I am. Everybody is in the same phase of life that I am. Like, all the pieces are here for some awesome relationships. And I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) I don't have the instruction. I don't have the manual to figure out what am I supposed to do to deal with these relationships. We have all the pieces, but we don't know what to do with them. Now what, we think? Well, the Bible is that instruction manual. Scripture, God's Word, is the manual that God gives us to begin to navigate of how do I, with all these pieces that I have, come together and start putting together pieces that God has given me into relationships that are meaningful and encouraging and edifying. It contains, the Bible contains the wisdom and the instruction for how to do relationships. It contains everything that we need, and in fact, even in this little text, what we're going to see in the next points is that it gives us the resources that we need to see how God moves close to us in relationship and how we can move closer to each other in relationship, that the Bible becomes that instruction manual. And so, what does that mean? It means we should pay attention to it. It means that you and I, if we want to be engaging in our relationships, finding hope in the drama and, well, what did I say? Hope, yeah, hope in the drama and growth, in it, then we need to pay attention to what this book says. That we're not going to be able to just figure it out together, that we need to pay attention to what God has given us. So that's kind of my plug for those of you who are maybe here for the first time. Like, come back. Pay attention to what this book says because this is the instruction manual for how to deal with relationships with your family, with your siblings, with your friends. And it's a gift from God. God gives us scripture as the instruction manual. It's the first thing that God gives us for relationship. The second thing that God gives us is his image. So one of my favorite movies is called The Hunt for the Wilder People. Has anyone seen it? You've seen it? What? Yes! Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's got 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a great movie. It's really, really good. It's really weird. <laughs> it's directed by, how do you say his name? Tai Tai Waititi? That guy who does the Rock Man in Ragnarok, who's great. Anyways, whatever. You're all looking like I'm dead. All right, so, anyways, it's. It's a great movie. It's called Hunt for the Wilder People. Ten of ten would recommend. Um, anyways, it's set in New Zealand, and it's about this troubled teen named Ricky who's in the delinquency system, and uh, he's just kind of getting passed around. And finally, he gets adopted by this rural mountain man who lives in the bush in New Zealand, and his name's Heck. And so uh, he runs. he's in the bush, and he hates Heck, and so he's like, I'm running away. So he runs away into the bush, and uh, into the New Zealand bush, and um, clearly, you know, he's this urban kid who has no capacity to survive in the wilds of New Zealand. And so Heck goes after him. And uh, so they, uh, you know, they're in the bush. And I won't give away the movie, but they have to survive in the bush for a long, long time. And uh, Heck knows how. And so one night, Heck brings in this line of fish, and slaps it down on a fire. And Ricky just says, "How do you know how to live in the bush?" And Heck just says, "I don't know. You just do. You have the knack." You have the knack, that's the word he uses. And what the knack is, it's kind of this thing that's built around, that, that's a theme of the movie. It's kind of this instinctive ability to survive and thrive in the bush. And a good part of the movie is Heck teaching Ricky how to survive, basically forming in him the knack, to survive in the bush. And that Rick Heck is forming and shaping Ricky for life in the bush. And it's interesting because Ricky has sort of the knack, but it needs to be developed in him. He can live on the streets, but he needs to have it molded to live in the bush. And I was watching and I was like, wow, you know what? Humans are kind of the same way. We kind of have sort of the knack for relationships. We know like sort of how to do this, but it needs to be nursed and it needs to be formed in us, right? Now, why do we have the knack kind of? but not fully. Well, the Bible's answer to that is because we're made in the image of God. Genesis 1 talks about that and it says that we are made like God, which means again that we have to start back at what is God like? Who is God? And it's it's this that God, that God starts as the knack of, for relationships because God is relationship within himself. Now, strap in because this is a little hard to understand, but this is really important. In theology, we use this word called perichoresis. Perichoresis, it's a Greek word, mean many in one, like think choral. So, you know, peri means alongside and choral meaning together or, you know, singing together. So together in one. And so basically it means that God is this multi-personal unity kind of blended together in perfect union. So perichoresis is the mutual indwelling and self-giving of each person in the Trinity. It's the Father's love for the Son, and the Son's love for the Spirit, and the Spirit's love for the Father, all just sort of swirling around each other in delight and in love and in self-giving. It's each person of the Trinity dancing and delighting around each other, constantly pouring out and saying, God, I love the Son. God, I love the Father. God, I love the Spirit. And you see that in this text that I just read, right? Jesus is talking to his Father and he's saying over and over, verse 21, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Verse 26, I have made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. That the, the Trinity is moving. It's a moving being surrounding itself in love and giving. Each person in the Trinity loves and gives itself fully to the other persons in the Trinity so tightly, so completely that, it's just, that it might as well be one. And this is the mystery of the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. That the love of, the God, of God is extended in towards the love of God. And here's what's interesting is that that love... That's what God starts to give towards us in the neck. That God's relational union within himself, God makes us in, in his image so that we have that same capacity towards loving and towards unity, towards each other and towards God. That's the knack. That we, that we have that in our very core because we are made in God's image. Genesis 1 says that we are made in God's image, and so therefore God as a relational God makes us as relational people towards God and towards each other. So like heck, God has the knack for relationship, and like heck, God trains us and shapes and forms in us the capacity for relationships, that we have been trained with the knack. And so Jesus here is praying that as Christians that we would reflect God's own unity and harmony within himself, but within our lives, within us as a Christian community, within us as a college community, within us as in families, as couples, that we would have this love that God has within himself. And this is uniquely Christian good news. Because it's not saying that you have to go out and love other people, basically just like screaming into the void of the universe, hey, I hope you can love someone really well and just conjure up love. No, it's saying that all you do is you tap into the life source of what the universe is, which is God himself. And as you reflect and meditate on that, then you have the capacity within you and through God and through Christ to love others. Every other religion, every other philosophy in the world says, hey, drum up the, the force to deal with your relationship drama on your own. Christianity says, no, the only way that you're going to start to deal with your relationship drama is by tapping into what you are in God and what God is for you. And as you do that, you can begin to deal with relationship drama. But only that way. And that leads us to our third and final point. God gives us His Word as the manual for our relationship. He gives us the knack in Him... It's the image given to us and finally in himself. Look at verses 22 and 23 again. The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. So there's so much happening in these verses and you could go through them literally word by word to try and understand what's going on here but the big picture is this what these verses are saying is that jesus is god himself that mutual loving within itself come down to earth to bring us into that perfect relationship to bring us into that triune relational joy and peace and harmony that they may be one even as we are one he's saying he's saying Father, you know that I came to earth to bring Trinity unity to them. To bring that holy, perfect, complete harmony to my people. That's the best and final gift that God can give us in relationships, is in Jesus himself, the one who starts to reconcile our relationships and bring us into the Trinity itself in some way. How many of y'all have watched adoption videos on YouTube? Maybe you have. I, I, you know, when you need a good tear-jerking session. Anyways, so I, um, you know, so there's these videos of a foster kid who lives with their foster parents, and um, then, uh, you know, the video is of the parents telling their kids that they're adopted. And I watched one last night um, that just, my wife and I were just sobbing. And it's this little, it's these two kids. They're like mm, grade school, middle school age. And they are, they're at Disney World. And so they're taking their picture with Mickey. And it's kind of awkward because Mickey's sort of like this dated cartoony figure. And they're like, hey. they don't know what to do with Mickey and all this stuff. And so they're like, and Mickey's like, oh boy. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said, yeah. And, uh, and so it's what's happening. And then all of a sudden somebody, Mickey pulls out this placard and says, here, hold this up. And the placard says, smile for your adoption day. And the kids look at it and they just fall apart. And they just start weeping. And the girl just covers her face and she just goes and hides in the corner and is just wrecked by sobs. And she's so overjoyed because now this girl who had been through the foster system now has been brought into a family. And she... Has, she's she's one. She's, she's part of a bigger, a bigger love. And my wife and I were watching it last night and we were both just weeping because it's so beautiful. Y'all, that's what Christianity is. That's what Jesus is. Jesus literally is our adoption into the life and the love of the Trinity. Our being brought into that relational harmony. Jesus is our adoption sign that says you are now a part of the God's holy family. You are welcomed into His harmony together. Jesus means, literally the Bible says, it is our adoption into God Himself. The Trinity knows how to love each other so well and they want to welcome us into their love. And that when you get in that, you get to be a part of that family Y'all, that is a soul-nourishing reality that when you think hard and feel hard about it, that can empower you to move into broken relationships and move into healthy relationships with power beyond anything you can conjure. Not only that, but all of the broken relationships on this earth, Jesus felt all of them. That's the whole point of what Jesus came for. Jesus was rejected and hated by his enemies. Jesus was abandoned by his friends. Jesus' family didn't understand him and even rejected them. Jesus suffered every single piece of a broken relationship so that we could experience the unity and the joy of the Trinity itself. First with God and then with each other. Over and over again in this passage, Jesus says, I in them and them in me, that they may be one as we are one. All of this is Jesus saying, the reason I came to earth was to deal with your and my relationship's problems and that the solution is nothing less than the unity, the joy, and the harmony and the peace of God himself offered to you and me. That's what Christianity offers. The perfectly one. So what do we see in this passage? We see that God gives us the gifts, the resources that we need to deal with our relationships. He gives us his word as the manual. He gives us the knack, his image, and he gives us Jesus. Y'all, if, as we go into this semester, those things will empower us to start talking very practically about how you and I can deal with relationships with our roommates, with our enemies, with our friends, with our parents, with our boyfriends, with our girlfriends, with our, girlfriends, with our exes, all of those things. So I hope you come back and I hope you pay attention and you'll look and see how Christianity can help you in your relationships. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thanks for this word. I pray that you would use it, equip us to deal with relationships by your Son through your Spirit. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, let's see if I have any texts. I didn't get any texts. Cool. (laughs) If you all have texts or questions, text me. Yes.